Good day, my friends, and welcome to the Craig Shapiro Tennis Podcast. Today's show is brought to you by the legendary Sergio Tacchini, the brand worn by John McEnroe, Novak Djokovic, Gabriella Sabatini, and today's guest. The new Young Line sneaker they rolled out is tremendous. It's my favorite walk-around shoe. Check them out at SergioTacchini.com. Use the code CRAIG30 in all caps to receive 30% off of your order. He grew up in Tehran, Iran, and never once took a tennis lesson. Blessed with prodigious athletic talent and imagination, he became a member of Iran's Davis Cup team at the age of 16. Because of the Islamic revolution in his country, his racket was taken out of his hands in the prime of his career. He is now the greatest tennis showman and trickster on the planet, and he has an action-packed story. Mansoor Barami is today's guest. Are you there, Mansoor? I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Look at this guy, man. You dress beautiful. You have a great sweater. I love your sweater. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. And are you in Are you in Paris? Yes, this is where I live. Fantastic. This is my city. I tell you, man, we're in Los Angeles. There's so many Persian people here. If you were here... Yeah, I know. Oh, forget it. Incredible. I love Los Angeles. <laughs> you love Los Angeles? Yeah, yeah, I like very much, yeah. I like the, the Westwood area. Westwood. They call yes. that... The, the second language in Westwood is Farsi. That's right. That's the, one of the reasons I love it. You know the Atari sandwich shop? The Atari sandwich shop, a famous... Yes, sandwich. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, I haven't been there for like 10, 15 years, but uh, I... I just love to go there and see. Uh, it just reminds me a little bit of my city of Tehran because everything is written in Persian. Everything, man. Uh, the gentleman yeah. you hear is really the the crown prince of te- tennis. He lives in Paris vis-a-vis an incredible departure from his home country that we just spoke of, Iran. He is the most flashy player there is in the history of the game he is on every show court every grand slam every major entertaining the crowd in a way that no one else in tennis does and uh, it's a pleasure to have him i've actually never spoken to you before Uh, that's mansoor barami Uh, thank you for coming on the show it's a pleasure hello (laughs) now uh, as you know, we do a five-set format, and our first set is let's we're going to go right into this. It's the off-the-court report. What has it been like being in Paris uh, through this very unusual uh, year? Well, it's been really a tough uh, year this year, you know, because from the very uh, I came from uh, Australian Open, I came to Paris, and then I had something in Vienna, and then I had something in south of France, and I played, and just 10 days after that, we got confined, you know. So it's been very, uh, you know, for like three months we were at home, nobody could go out. And nowadays, you know, the restaurants are closed at uh, 9 p.m., you know, uh, the bars are closed completely, and... and uh, you know, the gyms, and, and it's very, very unusual uh, uh, period, which is, I think, is very difficult for everyone everywhere in the world. And, uh, you know, I've been, since uh, this is happening, you know, uh, 
Um, there's no much going on for me, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, I'm still alive. I'm happy to be alive. <laughs> Did you pop off to Roland Garros uh, through the tournament? Did you go practice there when they reopened? Are you practicing with uh, Fabrice? You know, I know Fabrice lives close by. I do, yes, I do, I do, just to keep in shape, you know. Uh, uh, unfortunately, as you know, you know, the, 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 the senior, uh, the, the shows that we make, you know, the legends, you know, and the past players is mainly about uh, communicating with people, with the crowd and everything. So uh, since that is uh, the reason why we play, we cannot play without, uh, without crowd. So... Uh, you know, the, some of the tennis tournaments are going on, on and that is very good. But, uh, yeah, I've been to Roland Garros. I saw some of the matches. I saw this semifinal, men's semifinal day. I was there for both matches and I saw the final right there, yeah. Now, generally speaking, uh, you're, you're, you must be large and in charge there. You're part of the Final Eight Club and obviously you're a player. Um what was the vibe like with really no significant fans? It's, you know, the, 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 the match, there were some really good matches, but, you know, without the fans there, you know, you don't have that uh, atmosphere that usually you have, you know, the excitement, you know, how the people react to the, the, the good, good shot and everything. And that was missing. So it is missing to uh, still, you know, and, uh, uh, so uh, I hope, I hope next year is gonna ease down and it's gonna get better, which I doubt. Well, let's see. Come on, let's. We gotta, we gotta try to have good attitudes. Maybe things will flip around for next May, you know, because Rafa's going for his 14th championship. Let's move into the second set. It's the on the court report. Now, Mansoor, what do you say about Rafa Nadal? I mean, what what do you say about this guy? Well, I think he's, you know, an amazing guy. I met him, he was 14 years old, you know, when I first time I, I saw him, it was in his uh, city of Mallorca. And uh, uh, we had a, a senior tournament there and uh, Boris Becker was playing with us and, and then somehow he got injured and he left. And, uh, but the next day, Boris was supposed to play against Pat Cash. And so they... Uh, <laughs> They brought, uh, you know, Pat Cash and they told him, you know, Boris is not here and you're going to play against this young kid. And, and Cash said, no, I'm not playing against this young kid. Uh, you know, he's 14. He said, come on, Mac, I, I'm not going to play the 14-year-old kid, you know. And so, but they said, no, no, you you see he's good and everything. And and uh, they played a great match and, and Nadal had won that match and that was like unbelievable, you know. So that was the first time I heard about him. And, and, uh, Hold on a second. So you saw Rafa beat Pat Cash when Rafa was fourteen. Yeah. Oh, Pat yeah. must have been. Pat must have. Well, Pat, he must have been pissed. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but uh, like uh, two years after that, uh, Pat Cash saw how he was winning every tournament. You know, so uh, you know he wasn't that pissed. So, but uh, no, he's an amazing player. You know, and doing what he's done, I think. Uh, in my opinion, it's uh, the next time we see someone comes and wins 13 uh, French Open, it's maybe in three, four hundred years. 
What is your opinion of French tennis at the moment? The French tennis is uh, missing some some uh, great players like uh, we had in the past, Yannick Noah, you know, and and Pioline, Locante, Guy Forget, all these guys who are like top four, top five players in the world. And uh, we don't have that, unfortunately, you know, and we have some good good tennis players, but we don't have any exceptional tennis players. I, I don't know what, what is the reason. The reason is maybe we don't have somebody that, that, like uh, Yannick Noah 30 years ago. This, all these kids, they were looking you know, up to him you know, and they're trying to, to be like him. And, and uh, today, we don't have that. So uh, maybe that is one of the reasons. But, you know, Mofi, Songa, Gasquet, these guys have had, there's, I mean, Pui, there's been a lot of great, great French players. Do you think that the program is, is going to have a problem moving forward? Or do you think that, um, you know, you're, you're there on the ground. Do you see any interesting well, talent? Absolutely. These guys, you know, Monfils, uh, uh, Songa, you know, uh, the new guys like uh, uh, Pui, you know, and these guys are, are great players, you know, but they, they, they haven't been uh, top two, top three to win Grand Slams, and they haven't, you know. Uh, a couple of times they got made it to the, I don't know, the finals, but that was long ago. Um, French Federation is one of the most powerful federations in the world, you know, and the the infrastructures that they have here, it's 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 amazing, it's unbelievable. I go to practice in Roland Garros in National Tennis Center, you know, and we have everything that any any player can dream about, you know, and and uh, but I'm sure uh, they are working hard, and and I'm sure in next uh, three, four, five years probably we have some better players coming up and, and uh, hopefully winning one of these days, winning uh, at least a French French Open, you know, so which, which we miss a lot. Last time was uh, 36 years ago, you know, 37 years ago when uh, 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 Yannick Noha won, you know, and, and uh, well, we, we are looking forward to have somebody like him. Hey man, you know uh, Ugo Ambert can play a little bit. Well, he did, he did, he did, he did unbelievable. He was great, and I, I love the way he plays. I saw he's got great hands, and you know they can do everything. I saw him. He was 16, you know, when the first time I saw him, and he was. I was watching him play, and he was doing drop shots, love, and sometimes was looking at me to see and, and to see if I'm looking looking at him. You know, he was trying to overdo it. But it is true that uh, the, the two matches he played against uh, uh, Schwarzman and no, sorry, it was against uh, um, Team and uh, uh, the, the, the next match he lost uh, against Schwarzman actually, yeah. And that was that was that was unbelievable, you know. It was great. But is he able to play like that all the time? I don't know. I hope. Y yes, but I don't know. And you know, I like your, I like the kid uh, Corentin Mute. He's got a flashy style. Yes, yes, he's very fast, very quick, great, great player, great legs. You know, uh, he's again, uh, 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 he can, he can all round player. He can do everything on the court, and and uh, uh, but can he make it to top ten? I doubt that. I think Parmentier had a nice tournament, didn't she? Didn't she do okay? 
on the women's side? Pauline, Pauline, yes, she's she's a great girl. She's very uh, very. I love her. She's a, a really a nice person, great girl, and and uh, again I. I, every time I say I know these guys since they were 13, 14 years old. Sure. And uh, yeah, he was. She was playing for the last time, and uh, she had great time having uh, friends and family there, and uh, to to see her for the last time in French Open. And she was very. It was uh, very uh, uh, emotional, you know, to to see her at that playing that last match. Yeah. The one player that we always think is gonna make some real money moves, and and she just. She seems to get really, really tight. Is um, Kiki Kiki Mladenovic? Yeah, you know, is like she's a real athlete, though, man. I mean, you see her play and you see her practice, and it you, it's hard to believe she can lose with that kind of physical attributes. Yes, well, she's uh, she's done great, you know, in doubles. Yeah, you know, she's. Yeah. I think she's the best doubles player. In the world today, you know, with her uh, partner uh, Babosh, you know, uh, Timia Babosh, they, they have been doing great. They won, I think, that was the fourth or fifth Grand Slam that they won together. They had won. I mean, she, uh, Kiki had had won other Grand Slams, other tournaments. But uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing to see how different she is because. On the court, when you play, she's playing singles. You think that she's going to, every time you think that she's going to do some damage. And the last match I saw of her, that was uh, actually in French Open, you know, and, and she was up 5 uh, 1, and there was a set point, and she drop shot uh, uh, Zygmunt uh, from Germany, and there was a double hit, you know. And, and it, was a, it, was a, it was a not up. It was a nod up. It was a two bounce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, that was that and, was six one done. Hey man, and Sigelman should have called that on herself. That was that was not right what she yeah, did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was not right. Absolutely. I I agree with you. If I was on the court and I was forty years younger and I would say no, that was double, you know. Especially when you're done and five one, you know, what what happened? Anyway, but uh, even despite that I think Christina should still have one. You know, she's playing. I cannot say against uh, uh, in front of home crowd because there wasn't home crowd, but still is in France and it's in Paris and it's French Open. But she lost. I mean, she mentally. I mean, she lost it there. I mean, that was tra it was tragic, man. It was tragic. She sh that was terrible. Yeah, this this is oh, when these things happens. You know, all you need. It's just to win two, three matches in the row, and the confidence comes back. She's not, uh, she's lost, uh, you know, confidence in playing singles. But I think uh, with time, she still is very young, and she has time, and she, that would come back. And you know, she can. I think she can still make it to top 15, some without without doubt. Ale, I mean, listen. You know, we want to see the French players play well. When you, when they have Roland Garros, it's always exciting. Yes. Doesn't matter what country you're from to see the French play well at Roland Garros. Let's move into our third set. This is the portion of our show where we talk about your career. Yeah. Now, I was researching and I read on your on your website, MonsterBarami.com, that you said you're the son. Of an Iranian hill tribes uh, tribesman, what does that mean? Uh, what is tribesman? 
That's what I ask you, man. It's on your. No, my, my, my father. My father was a gardener in the biggest sport complex in 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 Iran, which was in Tehran. Okay, and uh, the reason I became tennis player is because my father was uh, working in this stadium, and I, you know, we we had a small uh, room there, which was our house, and uh, with. My brothers and sisters, my parents, we used to live there. And then, you know, I start walking like two years old, three years old. I was just walking around and I saw all these sports, uh, uh, courts, fields, swimming pool, everything. And I fell in love, in, uh, fell in love with, with, uh, with tennis. And I just, uh, you know, I had to become a sportsman. Uh, there is, there was nothing else I, I would do. Just uh, and and it became that it was tennis. But I gotta ask you, man. You're like, you know, your athleticism is incredible. Um, the size of your hands, the way you can move and play. I mean, you got to be the best sixty-four year old player in the world right now. Um, how good of an athlete were you and did you could you feel that from the time you were a little kid you know i i never had a tennis lesson in my life i never had a coach in my life so i start playing with the dustpan you know or with a piece of wood i would find in the, in the uh, on the floor and and make a racket myself and i played against against the wall from age 5 to 13, I was not allowed to play on the tennis courts because the courts were reserved for the members. I don't know for the and the kids of my uh, class, and, and I we, I couldn't play. So they asked me. They told me you can come here and 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 ball boy for the people. And I was ball boying for 10 cents an hour, you know. And that was like five in the morning. I was in the court until eight, and then I would go to school. And then every day was like that. And what but, was? And let me just ask you: What was it like being a child when the Shah was in power? What was Tehran like? Tehran for me, Tehran for me was as nice as as, as Paris, as London, New York, anywhere like that. We could, you could have done everything you like to do. I felt I was in the freest country I could ever been. I loved, I love. Tehran, I love Iran, and the the place, the sport complex that I uh, used to live there, where my, my father was working, called it was used to called Amjadie Stadium, and for me that that particular place was the paradise on the earth. Really, that was the best place I've ever seen in my life. You had everything, and everything. The water was fall coming from the mountains. You could, uh, you were thirsty. I would like, uh, like a sheep. I would just put my uh, head down and 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 drinking water, which is coming from the, you know, from uh, how, how do you call it? Where there is this waterway when it comes from mountains. Water from the and, creek. The creek. Yes, the water was coming down, and and in the street, I would have drink that water, which was as. Best, uh, better than the, uh, uh, how do you say? Uh, better than uh, an Evian water. Better than an Evian water. Better than an Evian water. Absolutely, absolutely. Amazing. It was, and, and we wouldn't get Amazing. sick, and I was the happiest kid ever. And, so, and, and for our listeners, when, when, when Mansoor talks about being a ball boy at the, at the club, 
if you've been to some, I, I just was in Bogota, Colombia, and they have ball kids to actually ball boy your court to pick up the balls for you, and that's what you're describing. We don't have that in the United States. That does not exist. No. But it's a, no. that, that was a special thing that if you were a member of the club, you'd get a couple kids to ball boy your court. Yeah, and that was, for me, it was a job. I was making 10 cents an hour. Sometimes, you know, I was making like 40 cents. My father was working. He was making uh, a, a dollar and a half. This is, I'm talking about 1960s, you know. You know? Uh, my father's uh, uh, salary was uh, like uh, $50 a month, you know. So I couldn't ask my dad to buy me a racket. To buy a racket, she had, he had to pay two two months salary, you know. So it sounds to me like you were poor, but you were a happy family. Yeah, we weren't we weren't rich. We no, we were we were poor family. But uh, I was I didn't need anything. I was very happy. Happy. We had any, you know we were not starving. My grand my my uh, grandparents. They had farms and lands, but somehow they lost everything. And my father immigrated from from the city of Iraq in this, you know, in Iran. He came to uh, to Tehran, and and he he was 59 years old, and he got this job, you know, because he had no choice. So I could see sometimes people come, uh, people come from the country countryside, you know, and they. I saw them kissing my father's foot, and I was going, you know, what is that about, you know? And you know, my father didn't never talked, but uh, my older brother, my mother was saying this guy was, for example, uh, doing uh, uh, cooking for us. This guy was taking care of, of our dogs. This guy was taking care of our sheep. Uh, you so know? your father so, was. So your father was a big guy. My grandparents. My grandparents. My, my grandfather. You I know. see. So your grandparents, some, your somehow, grandparents were heavy. Somehow they lost everything. And then my, my father, when I grew up in a small room of 120 square feet, that was our, our home. And our, you know, we were sleeping there. We were eating there. We were, you know, it was, uh, it was just, just too small, you know. And that was in the stadium. So, uh, I I started playing for the first time that they told me you can play. I was 13 years old. They allowed me to play, and three years later I was member of the Davis, you know, the national team, and I was member of the Davis Cup team for like four years. And then the revolution happened in my country, and everything changed, and we couldn't do anything. Everything was banned. But hold on a second. You played Davis Cup. You I I think you're nine and three in Davis Cup. I mean that's an incredible. You won. You won at least nine singles matches from my research. No, I'm more than that. It's more. more. It's more than that. No, no. It's, I have played like 40 matches. Uh, if you see, you can see research. I have done more than the more than uh, nine, nine and three. More. And uh, wow. Uh, and yes, I've, I've done more. But uh, and uh, but the only thing is that I was 20, almost 21. I had to stop playing tennis because it was banned in Iran. Can you explain the revolution? The, can you explain that it was the Ayatollah Khamenei and Khomeini, right? And they, Khomeini. And they Ayatollah Khomeini. Khomeini made, and, yes. and, and the Shah fled. 
the Shah left the yeah. king. Yes. They they made him they made him leave in the still of yes. the night, right? Yes, yes. Shah left Shah left Iran because uh, uh, the, 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 everything starts started from end of 77, 78. And 78, we couldn't play tennis anymore. And 79, the, uh, the Islamic Republic was installed on Iran. And I, I, in my opinion, Shah didn't want to kill people because he just probably, you know, he left because he wouldn't, he didn't, he, he didn't want to just shoot everyone, you know. And he said, well, this, they want, if they, this is their will, I, I leave. And uh, he left and then, Islamic Republic happened, and uh, from one day to the other, for example, my passport, my Iranian passport, I could travel everywhere in the world. I, the only place I needed visa was USA, and in 10 minutes I had visa for four years, multiple uh, entries and out, you know, for I could for four years travel in America with no problem. But uh, from day to day, my passport was not anymore. Nobody wanted me, so it was very, very hard time. Oh, I mean, the, I mean, all we would see when we were kids, you know, I was six years old, was these was the Ayatollah Khomeini, you know, yeah. like burning American flags, and you know, he, they had a, he was a very scary looking character for for us here, and I. Yeah. But, but would it be fair to say he ruined the country in a way? Well, you know, that is the, the country, the economy and everything is really, uh, we are not in a great shape, you know. Uh, it's been uh, 40 years of uh, sanctions and everything against Iran. And, uh, you know, Iran is a great country, you know, it's a fantastic country. It's a place that you you, you see things that you have, cannot even imagine, you know, it's, a country with 5,000 years of history, you know, and uh, but right now, you know, with all the sanctions and everything, people are really uh, suffering and, and having really going through a real tough time. You basically couldn't play tennis when the Ayatollah came to power. Well, I couldn't play tennis because it's simple. It's, uh, you know, they, they said tennis is not allowed. Is an American capitalist game we don't want. So all of a sudden, we all are ten tennis players. We just find ourselves without job, without nothing. So I stayed there for like three years, three years and a half. I did not hit one ball. Uh, we couldn't. All the tennis courts were shut down, and and uh, uh, we we couldn't do uh, anything, and we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go anywhere because the borders were closed. So to, to leave the country, you needed a, a special authorization from the government, you know, and then you had to get a visa for somewhere, which was not very easy. I was very, very lucky. In uh, uh, summer uh, 1981, uh, I, uh, there was a new uh, minister of uh, foreign minister. This guy was named foreign minister. His name was Sadeh Gotsadeh. So I had a very good friend of mine who was very close to this to this guy, you know, to, to the new uh, uh, minister. Yeah, yeah. Gotsadeh. And I told him, I told him to my friend Reza, I said, Reza, your guy uh, is now minister. Maybe you can help me go to leave. I have to go. I can't. I'm going to die here. 
if I stay. I have to go play my tennis. So he said, give me your passport. I give him my passport. Two days after, I had authorization to leave the country, and I had visa for France and Switzerland. And that's how I left. I left in eighth uh, of August, 1981, at 6.30 from uh, Tehran. I flew to Nice, south of France. At 10.30, I was in, in south of France. And that was my new life started from there. What airline did you fly? Iran Air. Iran Air. And let me ask you a question, because I was born in, in outside of Boston, and I grew up in New England. And I heard the name my whole life, Ali Madani. Who's Ali Madani? Yes. Ali Madani he was my teammate who played the uh, Davis Cup with me. He's one year uh, older than me, and we knew each other since uh, we were since uh, uh, we were two, three years old. I mean, we were since we start walking and knowing people, we met, and, and so he was uh, uh, in my team and, and in, in uh, member of the, the Iranian uh, national team. He was a very good player. And so, similar to you, he went to Boston. You went to you went to Nice. Is that fair to say? Uh, he he he, le he left two three years after me, uh, I think, and he went to Boston. My my first goal, uh, I mean, my first choice would have been America. I would have loved to go to America because then I could have played in America. I could play twenty weeks of ATP tournaments, you know. But in France, I could play three or four every year, you know, three, three, four tournaments, not enough to have a good ranking. But he went there, and, and but I, I, I came to, there was four guys who were very good at that, I mean, good players. That was Ali Madani. There was another guy who's Kambiz, who died two years ago. And uh, there was another guy, Kodai. We were four of us in uh, the end of, uh, 70s, we were the member of the national team, and and yeah, I came I came to France. Ali Madani went to to Boston. He still is there and he's teaching tennis. But I didn't teach tennis. I wanted to play, and I just I played tournaments. That's what I did. I read a story. You went dead broke. You had no money. You couldn't afford to live, so you went to the casino to try to make your money, and then you lost every single that dollar. Was, that was 8th of August, 1980. When I <laughs> left from Tehran, I came to Nice, and then uh, 8th of August, there are uh, hundreds of thousands of people in south of France, you know, uh, French Riviera, and there is so many uh, the tourists. And, and So I was talking, trying to talk to the people, you know, in, 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 in English, because I couldn't speak French, they wouldn't even look at me. So I didn't know what to do. I was completely lost. I knew Nice before, before the revolution. I knew exactly how it was. And now I'm in, in, in south of France, being you know, three years with the Ayatollahs, they're talking about the hijab and, and the prayer and the God and this and that. And, and I had forgot how it was, you know, Europe. So. For like one hour, I didn't know what to do. And finally, I said, I'm stupid or what? I have to just, first thing, I go and make a reservation for the, the hotel to, to somewhere to sleep. So I come to this place. It's like a tourist office, you know. And uh, I said to this lady, you know, I want a, a cheap hotel if I can. 
and she, if you can make a reservation for me. And she goes, yeah, right, 8th of August. <laughs> there is no cleaning. There is yeah. no one room, nothing. So, so I start. I went out of the uh, the, I went out of the airport and I start walking uh, on the promenade des Anglais. This is the big street which takes you from the airport to center of uh, Nice. And I on my right was the the beach and I could see all these ladies topless playing beach volleyball you know and and i'm going i'm pinching myself i'm i'm saying is it uh, am i dreaming or i'm really out of iran you know because you it's not easy to to believe that you're out so and yeah i'm in nice and i walk and i walk and i i'm thirsty it's now like midday and it's like uh, i don't know uh 40 uh, 35 40 degrees it's so hot, and, and I buy a, a bottle of water and a sandwich, and that cost me 20 francs. And I had 8,000 8, francs, which was $2,000. So I say to myself, with $2,000, I can only stay here maybe 10 days, you know, paying the hotel, food, and everything. And in 10 days, my goal was to find a club for which I can play you know, the club matches, and then eventually give some lessons, and then in the same time play tournaments. So I say in 10 days, there is no way, not knowing the language, <laughs> nobody is going to help me. So um, after two and a half hours, I'm just very tired. I sit my back to the sea, and, and I just don't know what to do. And I see a big sign says, Casino Rule. <laughs> And I say to myself, this is a sign. This is what I should do. I am going to go to the casino and I'm going to play. Probably I win 30 or 40,000 francs. And if I have 30, 40,000 francs, I can stay two months, three months. Longer I stay, better chance I have to find somebody to help me to find the club. Or if, it's, if, it's ten, if, one, if I lose, I lose. So I, so I went to the, to the thing. And 15 minutes later, I lost it all. I lost all, <laughs> a lot. I lost, lost everything. And, uh, I came back and I, I went to the street. I had nowhere to go. Uh, and I just, crossing the street, I saw a friend of mine whose name was Farrokh Moazet. And he says to me, Mansur is unbelievable. I'm so happy to see you here. What are you doing? I said, well, I just arrived, you know, I arrived. So when did you come? I said, two hours ago, three hours ago. Uh, but, you know, I said, but I'm, I'm leaving now. I'm, leaving. I'm going back tomorrow. He says, what do you mean? I said, you know, I went to the casino. I lost all my money. I, uh, all I can do is just leave. I, he says, you're stupid. I'm not going to let you go. There is no way. You, you know, if you come with me, I'm playing a club. There was a, he was playing a, a, a club, a tournament, and he was. He says, "Come with me. Maybe we can find somebody who can help you." So we, I said, "Okay." I went with him, <coughs> and he was his opponent was the the president of the tennis section of South League of uh, you know Cote d'Azur. Sure. And so. We talking to this guy, you know, and he says, so what you do? He's, he says, what you do? What have you done? I said, well, you know, I haven't been paid for three years. But uh, just before that, you know, in 1975, you know, we played the French team in the Gallia Cup. 
We got to the final. We beat the French team. I said, oh, you were on the team? I said, yeah, I was the, the, the number one player. And, and, and we won against the French, which was a huge disaster for the French tennis. They said, how could you lose to Iran? But for me, I thought that we were a better team. And so uh, he says, Mansoor, you know, if you say the tennis player as you are, uh, you have no problem stay and leave here. But for that, I need to know, and I'm going to um, interview to five tournaments so I can see your real level, you know. So I say, no problem. And he, he gives me a, like a French ranking. It's, it's minus 15. I didn't know what does it mean. It took me six months to understand what is minus 15 means. But when I understood, when I understood, I was way better than minus 15. Minus 15 was like number five, number 50, uh, 100 French player. And I was, I was playing like top, top 10, easy, some, without doubt. And so I played these five tournaments. I won three of them and lost two in the final. And then I came back and he says, I know, I know your results. I know everything, but you do, you did great, but I'm going to write a letter to the French uh, president of the tennis federation and you have to go to Paris. They can help you maybe more. But that was people tried. But, you know, I had really a hard time. Sometimes I had nowhere to sleep, uh, sometimes nothing to eat. And that was for sometimes three, four nights, nowhere to sleep, nowhere, nothing to eat. And so that's how I, 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 I got uh, and a friend of mine who, whose name is John, who lives in, in, uh, in, uh, in New York, that I talked to him two times a week. You know, uh, he was the man who helped me when I was 16, 17 to live and play. He was like not a sponsor. He was just giving me the money to go and play because he said, I don't want you to stay here and teach tennis. You have to. So he, with the help of him, when I lost my money in the casino, I asked him, I need 2,000 francs to be able to go on the trip and play those tournaments which I played. If, if this 2,000 francs he didn't give me, I would go right back to Iran. When did you get your first ATP point? And when did you become a prominent doubles player? How did that happen? Because, you know, to be a French Open finalist is incredible, particularly given the fact that the scales were tipped against you from the second yeah. you, uh, you began. My, my first French ATP when I came to France in 1981, when the French Open, uh, just before French Open, the uh, referee of the tournament, Jacques Dorfman, he died. Jacques Dorfman, of course. Famous. Dorfman. For our listeners, yes. Jacques Dorfman was the longtime tournament uh, referee, referee, I believe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he's in peace. Anyway, he uh, said to me, because by that time I had beat 27 players uh, of the, the first category, number one to number 30 of the French uh, players, you know, and I was illegal. I didn't have uh, like the visa to stay. I, every time the police asked me, you have to leave the country or you have to ask for asylum. I couldn't 
accept to to the uh, political to be political refugee because I wanted to see my father, which was an old man. You know, when you ask for asylum, uh, that's it. You can't go back. That's you cannot right. go back. That's right. You know? So I I I decided to hide from the police and stay as a illegal alien. You know, and and that's how I did. And until French Open 1981, uh, Jacques Dufman said, Mansour, I give you a wild card to play the pre-qualifying. To play pre-qualifying. So, yeah, pre-qualifying, I, I won three matches, and then I came to the qualifying round. I won three matches again, and I qualified for the main draw. That was my really, uh, my only chance. That just gave me goosebumps. That's six matches, baby. That's like your own yeah. Grand Slam. That's like a Grand Slam in and of itself. Yeah. And then I play against Jean-Louis Hayet, who was number four in France then, you know, uh, first first round. And I beat him uh, in, uh, in four sets or three sets. And uh, for the first time, we were during the war, you know, it was war, Iraq, Iran, you know, and we were talking about Iran all the time, but not in a, unfortunately, not in a good way, uh, not nothing nice. At that time, and like you just said, even today, Iran has distinguished themselves as a, a pariah and an outlier, which is, you know, it's really a great shame. We, you know, because as I said, I, living in LA, I've been, exposed to Persian culture and it's a magnificent culture. People love people people you go to the street, you talk about American people love America. Yeah, that's right. People love Europeans. Right. People love people that's right. are, this is, that is people. But anyway, I'm uh won the my first match and now the uh the media asking me for a press conference. So I came to the to the press conference and they told me, Who are you? You are the first time we see Iranian guy where you come from? I said, I'm, I'm an Iranian play, tennis player. I am an uh, illegal alien here. I'm, you know, I'm hiding from the police. Every time I went to the tennis court in those days, I was just so anxious that police might come into the court and <laughs> arrested me and put me in the same in the first uh, flight and send me back. That's what that was. That's how I was playing tennis. You know, so anyway, I win that match, and and these people they say this is disgusting. We are bringing sometimes the the the, the criminals, the dictators. We give them security. This guy wants to play tennis. We want to kick him out. So they helped me to get my like green card. You know, like the authorization to stay here for one year, and from there, my life it became easier. And of course, so but, I was not hiding from. So it. your first ATP points was at the French Open. That was at the French Open. Unbelievable! And then I won the first. And then I played my second round against Mel Purcell, and Mel Purcell beat me in four sets. Hold on a second, Mel Purcell, you know, was sort of this. He got a big gap in his teeth. He had like uh, almost white hair, like white blonde hair, and he's a real country boy. And he used to wear the He's American, a nice guy. He's a very he, nice guy. But he used to wear the American flag bandana. So he was prejudiced against you. Yeah, he, he, he asked me, he says, you know, fuck off. I'm not shaking your hand. You're Iranian and everything. 
And I said, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm in a tennis court, you know, and so... You have to explain that. You're in the second round of the French Open. You think you're going to be deported. You're, you're worried about everything. You have nobody helping you. Yeah. And you you uh, ate all the food you could eat thinking that your match was going to go on later. You stuffed your face. Yes, my, my, I was the fifth match. Our match was... Uh, scheduled fifth match from 11 so i went to the to to uh i i, I was thinking that we're going to play around five you know five you know so 6 i said at 1 30 i went to to a restaurant and th those days it wasn't like today today you have the screen you can follow the the match right before <laughs> yours everywhere you are and when they when they announced the match you can hear that they announcing wherever you are in the stadium. I was in the player's restaurant, but this restaurant was nothing to do with the today's restaurant. So when they were uh, uh, calling the matches, you could not hear. There, there was not a screen. But there was two walkovers, so you basically there got, was, you got two, you got jammed up. Yeah, I got jammed out. And then I, 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 I eat I eat much because it was, uh, you know, I was hungry and I ate and I'm making myself ready for five o'clock. And all of a sudden, at like 10 minutes to two, uh, um, Chris Lewis, yeah. the New Zealander tennis player, he comes in and he says, Mansoor, what are you doing? Uh, I said, no, I'm eating, I'm having my dessert. He says, Mansoor, they called you for the last call. You're going to have to play. They're going to disqualify you. So I said, no, I'm playing. He said, run. So I run. I just grab my back and I run to the court. And I, ca I come to the court 13 minutes after they, they called my, me for the first time. And 15, two minutes later, I was, dis uh, I was uh, disqualified. So I come to the court and I say to Mel, I go to shake his hand. I say, I'm so sorry. I didn't hear. I was, and, and he says, Go, I'm not, he didn't, he pushed my hand. I didn't say, say okay, uh, no problem. So the first set, I was so heavy. I... <laughs> yeah. This American had a misconception of you. He thought you, because you were Iranian and you was a late yeah. to the, you were late to the court, that you were an asshole. That's what he thought. That's what he thought. Yeah. But I didn't do, uh, as a, yeah, I was, I was uh, the first guy was, uh, I think, uh, uh, penalized was me. I came to the court. I I couldn't move. So he wins the first first one. I couldn't even breathe. You know, second one, and then I win the third. And uh, but then I was too late. I lose in four sets anyway. Doesn't matter. I shake his hand, and he said, "I'm going to say well done." You know, and he goes, "No way. I'm shaking your hand. You fucking Iranian." And so. I said, okay, no problem. So he got booed for every, for, by everyone. I left the court and, and I went to the shower and, and uh, uh, to the media and everything. And then like three, four hours later, he came back and he said, listen, man, I'm so sorry. I, I hear you're a nice guy. Everybody's insulting me. All these, my friends are saying that I have been uh, acting like a, a you know, a idiot, you know, so I want... So I shake his hand and I said, listen, I'm in a tennis court. Um, if I'm here, um, I'm doing a sport. I'm not doing, uh, there's nothing against you. Nothing, you know, I don't know you, you know. So, uh, so anyway, he apologized and 
but we became good friends and and my sons they love him you know say so, uh, uh, but i haven't seen him for 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 a while already i, I haven't seen him for the past 15 years i hope he's he's well now before we move into the next part i want to ask you what's the story behind that that beautiful mustache when do you start growing that mustache well the mustache has been here uh, since i was 17 18 i always had it i i cut it two times in my life once for a charity for Yannick Noah's uh, foundation, <laughs> yeah, somebody paid. They paid 100,000 francs, and I sold it. <laughs> that was once. And then once we were the French champion by club, you know, and that uh, to celebrate that, the, the president said that we're going uh, a party. All the guys have to dress as a, a woman. And the woman... So I said, okay, I did it, and I, and it was unbelievable. We were had, we had fun. <laughs> you lost the mustache for the yeah. for the for the club party. Um, yeah. Let me just ask you a couple of things. Did you did you play when you were when you were poor and you were in France? Did you play like gambling? Did you gamble matches? Did you play a guy for a hundred francs? Did you ever just hustle guys out in the parks? No, I didn't hustle. I was gamb- I was playing on the courts. To, to win some money, you know, just to survive, you know. You were I, playing tournaments, was, or you were or you were hustling players, both. I was not hustling players you were in not. my club. Yeah. The club I was playing, yeah. these guys were challenging me. I yeah. said, listen, you know what? I play with you with a racket with no strings, and we play 50 francs, and I beat you. And I was, you know, or sometimes, you know, uh, play with uh, eyes closed, you know, uh, one eye closed, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, two legs attached, you know. Uh, that was the, the I, I did, yeah, I did a lot of uh, uh, gambling like that. And tell me the story of uh, going to the doubles final with Winogradsky. Well, uh, let me first to tell you that when I got my first point, in, you said that was in 1981, and you know, from 1980 to 1986, I played only in France. I couldn't go anywhere with Iranian passport, you know. So, uh, and then in 1986, I got to the final of a Paris Open. You know, uh, we got to the final and we beat Noah Forger, which was then, which was a big team, you wow. know, Casal Sanchez, you know, and you know some great teams, and we lost to Flaming, McEnroe Flaming. And all this time, I was only playing in France, playing in France, you know, with two, three tournaments a year, and coming to the final of uh, Paris-Bercy was already, you know, was, I, we could, I could, I'm proud of that. That's very know? prestigious. Uh, For our uh, listeners, yeah. you get to the finals of Paris-Bercy. You know, these and are, Monte these Carlo, are, you know, and, these are great achievements, man, in tennis. Yeah, to do yeah. that is incredible. Sorry, continue. Yeah. Anyway, I in '88, uh, you know, with uh, Eric Vinogradsky, is this guy, um, uh, godfather of his son, you know, and uh, and uh, I said, you and I should play together. He says, you think so? I said, yeah, I think we can do some good stuff, you know, and. Uh, we, we start playing together, and the first tournament we played was in, in, in Toulouse in 1988, and uh, we, got, we got to the final. 
they got to the semifinal actually i was playing against uh, john McEnroe and and Nargiso, diego Nargiso. and so i had already played a couple of times with, with john you know and john we're going to the court and this place is packed packed completely packed so john is telling me mansoor you know, don't do your crazy stuff against me, you know, play serious. Do it to my partner if you want, but, you know, play straight. I was so proud and, 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 and really uh, uh, surprised that John McEnroe, Jesus, I'm saying this guy is, is, is the god of tennis. He's a legend. He's like number two, three in the world, number one in the world in doubles. He's asking me to play don't joke, you know, to play serious. Play serious. So I, I tapped on his shoulder and I said, don't worry, John, I've been, I've, been, I've been playing serious. So we go to the court and we win the match, six love, six, six, six three. <laughs> and, and in the locker room, and in the locker room, he says, man, I told you to play serious. I didn't play. I said, John, this is what happens when I play serious, you know. <laughs> With all the respect, I love John and he's a great man. I... I he knows how much I I have respect and love him, and uh, but it was funny. Anyway, we win that tournament, and then we continue together, and then we come to the the French Open like uh, seven months later, and uh, it was uh, and in this time I lose against his brother Patrick in the final and and Jim Grab, but uh, I have to tell you that I was very very upset because that day we had a bad day it rained yeah. on and off all the time yeah. and Steffi Graf was beating everyone 6 love 6 1 6 love 6 love and she comes to the final against Arancha Sanchez they finish like quarter to 7 you know and then we go to a court at 7 uh, past you know and and uh, people one hour later there was a, 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 a french uh, uh, final of the rugby uh, tournament, you know, French championship. And so at 8.30, everybody's gone. And, and if people are not there, for me, it's like a disaster. You know, so we lost uh, in four sets, seven, six in the fourth against uh, McEnroe and Grab. And, and, uh, but I, I, it was, you know, for me, uh, I start I, going out after the age of 30, it was too late to go and play the, the qualifying all the time. So I, I did better in doubles because I also I was playing more serious in doubles because I had a partner and I couldn't do all my craziest stuff. But in singles, I was just doing the show all the time. You were just putting on the show. That's I love that. You love the for show. Me, <laughs> for me to keep, keep the people entertained and, and uh, get we, Give them their what's what their money's worth, you know. Well, it's, it's the main thing for me. That is that's better than winning or losing for me. Hey man, you're a member of the final eight club of the French Open. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, and to have done it the way you did it is amazing. Who are some of the players you beat over the years that you know you consider some of your best wins? You know, I I beat. Uh... I beat uh, uh, Mark Rosset, he was number 11 in the world. I was 30, 35 years old. I uh, beat Novacek, he, you know, Carol uh, Novacek. he was number eight, number eight in the world. I beat 
uh, Volkov, who was number 14. I beat Sanchez, I beat Forger, I beat Johnny Oclepo, I beat all these guys. And But, you know, I really started playing, if I may say that, it was mainly in the senior tour, in the senior tour, yeah. you know? Yeah. In the seniors, I, I beat everyone against, except McEnroe and Connors, I beat everybody else. Well, you know? well supposedly so, you weren't allowed to beat Jimmy. They say that if you beat Jimmy, no, you get, no. They say that if you beat Jimmy, you get thrown off the tour. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Jimmy, uh, he, he, I couldn't beat him because he was too tough. He was just um, for me. I couldn't do it. Uh, and McEnroe, not either the same. But everybody else, I, I beat all all the other guys, everyone. You've distinguished yourself as the greatest showman there is in tennis. Is there one greatest day of your tennis life? Craig, I swear to God, this is people asking me, what is your greatest day or great? Every time I go to a tennis court and there is a crowd, is the greatest day of my tennis life. Let's move into our fourth set. Yeah. This is the 10 ball scramble. I say it and you say what comes into your mind, okay? Okay. All right. Eli Nastasi. Crazy artist. But you have a relationship with him. He was helpful to I you early. Yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? You know, Nastasi, I, I met him when I was 17, 18 years old, you know, and, and uh, when uh, uh, I came to France, it was like three, four months. I was homeless. I had nowhere to sleep. I saw him. Uh, in the Roland Garros, I was there because I was asking the, the the French Federation to help me to get my visa because I didn't have visa, and they tried everything, but they couldn't they couldn't do it. So, but they tried. That lady who was the assistant of Philippe Chatrier, her name is Regine Tour. She was great. She did everything. She tried everything, but no success. So I'm waiting there, and there was a bench. When I had nowhere to sleep, and I was walking all the night in the streets of Paris until the day comes out and I could just look like anybody else, I would come to, to Roland Garros. There was a bench in front of the Guardian's uh, uh, office, and I would just sit there and sleep for like a couple of hours to to you know, to get to charge the batteries, to be able to get ready to, sleep, to go and walk in the streets of Paris all the night again. So one of those days, I, I saw Nastasi and Guillermo Villas were practicing. I didn't want to uh, bother them. I didn't know if they recognized me or anything. So I just left them. I knew that when once they finished, they're going to come towards me because I was just by the guardian's uh, office. So. Couple of hours later, when they finished, they come and and I, I got up and I said hello, Nasty, uh, and Guillermo, and Nasty says, "Oh my God, Mansu, is that you? How are you? We were asking if you were alive, if you were dead, if you were, you know, killed in the revolution and this. I'm so happy to see you, you know, and I and I was very, it was really for me, it was like, great. It was." Uh, 
warming, you know, it was, uh, how do you say? Well, he welcomed you into the group. He welcomed me, and it was for me that those words, only the words for me was like, a, like better than if they give him money, you know? So uh, he says to me, Mansur, I'm so happy. How is everything here? When did you come? I said, I've been here for two, three months, you know, you know. And he says, Mansur, is everything okay? You know, if I can do things for you here, if you need anything, you know, I can help. Tell me. And I swear to God, that night I had nowhere to sleep. And I said to him, Nasty, thank you very much for saying that, offering to help. But everything is okay. All is good. No problem. You didn't take his help. You didn't take his help. Yeah, but that was enough for me. That was, you know, enough. And so later on, later on, we know we played, I don't know, I played maybe uh, 600 exhibitions with him. I just love the guy. Do you have He's a, a real, do you have a relationship with Tyriac? Not as uh, much as with Nastasi, but yeah, with Tyriac, I, I know him well too, yeah. Did he ever pay you a fortune to play Exos? Did Tyriac ever help? Had your wallet? No, I played. No. Uh, I played every year. They had the tournament uh, in, in Bucharest. I yeah. played the exhibition every every year there. There was me and Nastasi and two other players. But the two who were always there was Nasty and myself. And but uh, no, I didn't play uh, okay. uh, particularly with uh, Tiriak for any exhibition. What is your favorite trick? Is there a favorite trick you like to do? Serving the ten balls with the hand or what? Uh, no, not really. I, you know, uh, I do all these tricks, you know. But the one I like is is when you hit the drop shot, um, back spin shot when it goes to the, your opponent and comes back to your your court before you, the opponent touches touches the ball. Can you do that with consistency? Drop drop shot the ball back over the net. I I I've, I've done it like one or two times in every match I played. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Your favorite player growing up? My favorite player was an Iranian player whose name was Shizad Akbari. Shizad Akbari. Yes. That's a famous and, and, name uh, in Persian tennis. Yeah, he, he, was, uh, he was my favorite player. But uh, it's true that when Nastasi came to Iran to play Davis Cup in 1960. Uh, uh, 1968. I ball for him, and I loved his tennis. He was 22. I was I was 12. So uh, you know, and, and I told him, but he doesn't remember. So you know, it's like today. Some of these guys are asking me, Mansur, you remember I played I ball boyed for you? No, I'm sorry, I can't. So you know, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. Your favorite player now? Is there someone you just love to watch? I love Federer. You love Federer? Yeah. Your favorite city? Paris. Your favorite restaurant in Paris? Guma. Guma. Where's that? Yeah. Where's that? What arrondissement is that? That is in the uh, um, 8th arrondissement. Is between Rue Faubourg Saint Honoré and Place de la Madeleine. Place de la Madeleine. Now, what's the best Persian restaurant in Paris? It's called Tehran. It's called Tehran. It's very good. That's it's it, baby. Good, yeah. 
Man, this is like a real life Argo talking to you. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Right. Let's move okay. into our fifth set. This is the king of the court. If you could be the king of tennis for a day and you could make any kind of changes you'd like to make, what would your changes be? What would you do? Really, I don't think that there is ma many changes we can do to the tennis. Sometimes you hear, you know, you say we put one serve. I think I think it's no good uh, to make the, 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 the tennis uh, line, you know, the, the box smaller. I don't think it's good. The only thing I, I would do, I just put a, a, a tie break in every set. Or maybe I just say, okay, no let. That's it. When you serve. That's it. No let. Mansoor Barami. Yeah. Uh, and just last thing, how do you feel about tennis moving forward? When you step into a club or you step into a tournament, do you feel, does it make you feel good what you see? Not all the time, but... Uh, Explain depends. that. Explain that. When, 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 I go, when I go to a club... Uh, I mean, to a tournament, there is, I know who are playing and I have to go see, I am going to see one particular tennis player and I love it. I'm not going to go see any match that is there. You know, uh, some players, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't, I might watch two points and leave, you know, but when there is Federer, Nadal, these guys, you know, Joko, yeah, I, I watch and I think they're doing great. So you think that there's a dearth of stars in tennis? That they need to grow the stars? Well, they need to grow the stars. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure there will be new stars coming out. Every uh, generation, they're saying, yeah, but now these people, they go, nobody. But since, since Rod Laver, you know, and Rosewall and those guys, uh, which were great, you know. And so uh, after that, you know, but every time you have new stars coming, you know, and this would go on and on forever. But some stars we will remember more than others. That's for sure. Now, I've seen pictures of you in Takini. Takini sponsors my uh, podcast. They're my they're my guys. Uh, what? Yeah. Did you make a fortune with Sergio Tacchini or what? What's your relationship with Tacchini back in the day? I know you're with. I know you're with Lacoste now. Yeah, I'm with Lacoste. I'm very happy with Lacoste. Uh, it's a great brand, you know. And and but Tacchini, I played 14 years with Tacchini. I did not make fortune. No, I'm not very rich, you know. Uh, but I just love riches. <laughs> rich. You have to be rich at heart, you know. I don't need anything. I'm a very happy man, you know. And so. Uh, you know, what was your uh, relationship with Takini? Do you have any good moments with the brand? Yes, absolutely. I had very good, very good uh, relation with them, you know, and, and uh, but uh, sometimes uh, after 14 years, the things were not going in very good for them. And they said, yeah. Mansur, we prefer stopping, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I said, okay. And I went straight to, to, uh, uh, Lacoste and you know it was, it was great it's great you know yeah man you look great you look, you look great you're a great ambassador for Lacoste you know what I mean you look good in those clothes yeah, I man. love it I yeah. love what they what they do you see this is fantastic 
Can you see it? Yeah, I see it, man. Blue on blue crocodile. Yeah. You know, nice in, crocodile. Man, you know, in the United yeah. States, they they used to call it the alligator, and they were wrong. Yeah. It's a crocodile. Crocodile. Yeah. Crocodile. Crocodile. Yeah. That's it, baby. Yes. Hey, listen. I can't thank you enough. I really enjoy talking with you. You've got such a good attitude for all the pain and suffering that you really, you really endured. And, and I know more of the story that we weren't even able to tell. And thank you. Just thank you very much. Pleasure. Anytime, Craig. What's the rest of the year for you? Are you going to play any uh, Exos in Bercy or in London? you have anything coming no, up? Nothing. No, 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 no. This Nothing. year is, is all, uh, as I said at the beginning, our tournaments, it only works with the crowd. You cannot That's say, right. okay, we play without crowd. That's then it. everybody loses. So, And I don't, I'm not going to play anywhere. There's no crowd. I don't play. That's it. No crowd. He doesn't play. Mansoor, no. Mansoor Barami, uh, the, the pleasure was mine, and you are released. Thank you. Thank you very much. Huge thank you to Mansoor Barami, and thank you to Sergio Tacchini. See them at SergioTacchini.com and use my code CRAIG30 in all caps at checkout to receive 30% off of your order. We are taking orders for the tennis t-shirt of 2020, the quarantine classic. We have the Blanc, the Terrebatu, and the Vare. Shoot me a note if you want to get on that program. Max Loeb edited the show. Our music is by Brian Senti. We will be back next time with more of the most interesting voices in the sport. Until then, I'm Craig Shapiro, and you are released.